Welcome to a special DOD to AEC episode of Inspiring People and Places, where throughout the month of November, we are interviewing veterans across the architectural, engineering, construction, and development industries. As always, our goal is to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. But more importantly this month, our goal is to highlight career paths of those who served in our military and continue to make an impact after military service in our industry. I'm your host, BJ Kramer, President and CEO of MCFA, a service-disabled veteran-owned small business focused on advising public and private clients with strategy, planning, program management, and construction management support services. Allow me to introduce today's guest. All right, Inspiring People Places, we are continuing our veteran highlight month of November, Department of Defense to Architect, Engineering, Construction. Today, I'm excited to join or have Sean Dominguez join us. Sean, how are you today? Good. Uh, good afternoon, BJ, and thank you for having me. We're, we're doing great. I'm excited to have you. Excited. I'm going to give a shout out to Mike Ellicott for, for making the introduction. You've had a ton of small business success in the construction industry. Just to get us started, tell everybody who you are and what you're doing today. Yeah, well, first of all, again, thank you for having me. And uh, my name is Sean Dominguez, and I'm the owner and president of Dominguez Design Build. We are a general contractor that's uh, here in Pensacola, Florida. This is our headquarters, if you will. And we provide commercial building construction services to our private municipal federal and state clients. And, and, and our split is really, it's probably about 10 to 15% federal. And then we do some state work with Alabama. And then we're building uh, some two fire stations. We're doing two aircraft, uh, airport terminals down in Panama City area. So our operations kind of run, we're as far west as uh, Mississippi, Gulfport. Uh, we just finished a project up in Virginia. We're down in Key West. But the majority of our projects are in northern Alabama and along the Gulf Coast. Right now, we've That's got awesome. about 28 folks full-time. Yeah, yeah, 28 folks full-time. Um, revenue is about, this year, we're probably going to do 18 to 20 million, I believe. Um, we're making a final push this last three months to really get our revenue up. But yeah, we should be in around 18 million bucks. And so... It's been great. I mean, you know, I started this in 2018, went full time with the company in 2018, and we've really seen an exponential growth. And, and we make, we've, this is the second year we've made the, made the Inc. 5000. Last year, we were the number four fastest growing construction company in Florida, number 11 in the United States. And then, you know, that was a very impressive year. This year, we're probably number 1,000, I think, on the Inc., Inc., which is really what I wanted to do. I wanted to slow that growth down because we're growing too quickly. So that's kind of us here in a nutshell, if you will. Growing too quickly. I just came back from a conference. It, it sounds like the whole industry is, <clears throat> which is one of the reasons we're, we're doing this veteran highlight. There's so much opportunity in our industry, either career-wise or business opportunity-wise. So what I want to do is take us back to what led you on the path to start Dominguez Design Build. What did you do in the military? And and just talk to us about your your kind of career journey. Yeah, sure. And and I'm going to go back a little bit further, if that's okay, because I want 
Absolutely. You know, I had a pretty dorked up child childhood. And so everything that I experienced back then, I'm trying to implement in our business now. So um, I'm originally from Los Angeles, California. My, my parents were, were high school sweethearts and they were very young. In fact, so young, I went to my mom's high school graduation and I can believe that. <laughs> wow. You know, that's pretty messed up. But anyways, you know, my, my father came back from Vietnam. He was a heroin addict. So he battled addiction issues all throughout his life. My mom had substance abuse issues and, you know, relationship issues. So my growing up was really kind of messed up and it kind of culminated when I was in a freshman in high school because we were homeless, my mom, my sister and I. And so my father actually ended up ODing on heroin when I was 20 years old. So, so, you know, we couldn't rely on him at all. And so we actually moved in with my grandparents I shared a one bedroom, a one bedroom with my mom and my sister, like my first year in high school, which really puts a damper on the social, you know, your social life. You know what I mean? At that time, you know, it's kind of bleak. And at that time, she came to me and said, hey, we got into this program and we're going to get a house, but you have to, we have to come build this house. And we had never heard about it before. It's actually the Habitat for Humanity program. Um, So I remember in the summer, man, we would be up there and I would just be building and I loved it. And I loved, you know, strapping on the, the tool bag and the nail bag and, and going up there and just framing houses. Our house was the first one we built. And the subdivision was probably 50 houses, 60 houses. And so I remember even after our house was built, I was still after school when I started driving, I would still come up and just help out, man, and just build. And I, this, I think where I've kind of found my love for construction. But more importantly, it just kind of instilled, you know, a community, um, the importance of community, the importance of these social programs and helping others out. So, you know, again, I'm 17 now. I graduate from high school. I enlist in the Navy because I can't afford college. And to be honest with you, I was a classic underachiever in high school. So I enlist. I know full well that I want to be a pilot, but I can't get in from college. So I enlist in the Navy and I work my butt off. I volunteer to go to the Persian Gulf do all kinds of different stuff, get great evals, and I get accepted into an officer program. And, and back then it was called Boost, which has brought an opportunity for officer selection and training. It's no longer around. But it was basically a preparatory school for a year. From there, I picked up a scholarship to the University of Southern California, USC, um, where I'm from, Los Angeles. I was there for four years and then picked up a, a pilot spot in flight school. So I came out here to Pensacola. Worked hard, became a pilot, and I did that for 24-odd years um, and, you know, enjoyed it, loved it. And as I was transitioning, really did some soul searching and really had to make that decision on, hey, what am I going to do for my next career? And, and traditionally, for pilots, for naval aviators, the path is go to the airlines. And, right. and I've got buddies that did that, and I talked to them. And it's great. I mean, they love it. They make a lot of money. They're, you know, they have to be gone half the month, but it's easy stuff. But when I talked to them, I was like, man, how do you like a job? He's like, well, it's a job. And, and he's like, I mean, a lot of times I'm bored and I just, you know, I wanted something more, man. You know, I wanted to, I felt like I could contribute more, maybe take a few more risks. So a couple of years before I retired, I was, as I'm thinking about this, um, I had an acquaintance who owned a construction company here in Pensacola. And he's like, listen, man, you're minority, you're service disabled veteran. He's like, you need to look into federal contracting. So I started doing some more you know, research 
And then I also thought about my experiences dealing with general contractors, you know, not only growing up, but having renovated multiple houses. And, you know, I thought there was a niche there. There was something that we can improve on because when you think, you know, BJ, when you think of a general contractor, what's your first thought? Is it a positive one? Typically it's not. Headaches. You know what I mean? Headaches. Yeah. Dude, headaches, man. It's, it's like, it's like the cable company. And no offense to the cable guy, but <laughs> hey, I'll be there between eight, I'll be there between eight and six o'clock. So you wait, you, you wait all day. Dude never shows. That's how construction companies are, man. And so, and then they they're always over budget. They always need more money. You know, especially around here, man, at Pensacola, there are multiple GCs that are going to court because they're getting sued. And so I just felt like, you know what, if if we could be provide a service and and, and construction is a service. So what just like any other service industry. So I'm like, if we can do that, you know, if we could grasp that concept, that mindset, you know, we're not perfect. We'd screw things up all the time, but we make it right. We can do quality work and just do what we say. There's probably a lot of money that could be made in that, or at least a lot of opportunity. So that's what I kind of, that's why I kind of diverged into, into, into construction. I started the company in 2012 and didn't do anything until I retired really at the end of 2017, um, 2018, full-time with the company. And we just start, we start working hard. And, and the first couple of years were tough. It's still tough. Don't get me wrong, but uh, we're getting some momentum, bringing on people. And so that's kind of how, how I got into this, if you will. Your, your comment of like, I, I thought there was something more, you know, really hits, hits the nail on the head of a lot of conversations I have, which is, I don't want to just go trade time for money. Yeah, there's there's some easy paths to having a job and, you know, making decent money and I've got retirement pay. So, but I think a lot of us look for making an impact, finding fulfillment and and what I love about the construction industry and whether it's engineering or construction is you kind of see the fruits of your labor on a regular basis in both the interactions with clients and with the physical construction that's happening in front of you. So I, I don't think you're unique in that. Talk to us about the path of, you know, quote, having the risk of starting your own business and and how you how you thought through that and and managed it. Yeah, it's really scary. I'll be honest with you, especially, you know, we get institutionalized in the Navy, the military in general, you know, <laughs> expecting that paycheck. Now I did have the benefit of retirement. So, I mean, I had that, you know, passive income coming in. And, and I'll be honest with you, people thought I was crazy. You know, my wife was like, what? You're not going to go fly for Delta or FedEx? I'm like, yeah, I, I don't want to do that. And she probably still regrets it to this day. You know, that's all of my buddies are going flying for free all over the place and buying houses. And we're still grinding away with our little business, you know. But I think your first the, the point you first brought up is is that, you know, this purpose thing. And, and that's for us is is... You know, my, my upbringings, humble upbringings, you know, crappy upbringings. I wanted to build an organization that really I could build from scratch and we could build it into something exceptional. That And for us, it's it's three things. And you touched on one, first of all, is our clients. That's the number one priority for us is be responsive and bring customer service to your clients because it is a customer service industry. And the second one is our people. I'm a servant leader. Take care of your people. I've always taught that. So how can we empower our people? provide great benefits. You know, we don't pay as much as a Hensel Phelps or some of these other Gucci big firms. We, we can't. But what we can offer is we can offer a better lifestyle. We can offer you to be on the ground floor of something we're building together. 
Um, and, and then the third thing is really empowering our community, giving back to our community. And we do that through construction. My guys are all the time. In fact, they're, they're right now putting up some cabinets for an under um, underprivileged community center here in Pensacola. We supplied we, mm. out of our own money. We paid for cabinets. They're installing them. This is a second project we've done. We work with probably five or six charities here to do that. And so, so that's really kind of our purpose. That's kind of what drives us. But, but again, back to your point of, Hey, taking the leap, man, it, it's, it's scary. It is. And, and, you know, luckily, you know, I had I, I, my partner, I guess my, my silent partner, if you will, I knew I was going to be getting paid right off the bat as kind of a, a junior PM. So I knew there'd be a little bit of money coming in. Um, you know, he was mentoring me a little bit. So I had some knowledge there, but man, it's a, it's a leap of faith and, and you got to go all in. You, you, it can't be, you know, it, you got to burn the ships at the shore, man, and just head, head in into the beach and go because, you know, but, but it, it's scary. It's still scary. Yeah. I mean, I still wake up sometimes, you know, I'll sweat cash flow, man. We got, we got great revenue coming in. We got, we got, you know, $30 million in work in progress or whip, but cash flow every month will stress you out. And so, yeah, it's a leap of faith, man. And then you just gotta, you gotta want it. You gotta be able to, I guess, just <laughs> persevere over, you know, whatever happens. And, and not to scare all those veterans that are contemplating it, it, I think that is the number one, you know, a PL statement, profit and loss and cash flow, you know, having enough money at the end of the week to pay your employees is the one thing that we have zero appreciation for coming out of the military is like uncle Sam is always making that paycheck, but, but really knowing that it's on your responsibility to keep that cash flowing, collecting, having enough work coming in keeping people busy. I, I would say is the biggest risk that we're completely unprepared for from a leadership standpoint. Now that's not to say it, not everybody needs to go start their own business. What I love about the entrepreneurial side of it is you get to kind of bring your own values, bring your own culture to something new. But a lot of a lot of what we talk about is there's a need for leaders across our industry, leaders that understand people, understand project management, understand delivery. Talk to us about some leadership lessons that you took from the, your time in, in the military and and have been able to apply in your in the construction industry. Well, I think the biggest one is just, you know, is just taking care of your people. You know, you know, your greatest resource is your people, obviously. And if you have good people, if if you instill a mindset, we're trying to instill this culture um, and and they get it, they're going to then you let you let them loose. And that's what we do with our folks. man. we we let them loose and they they're hard chargers. They're they're, you know, they want to do great things. But, you know, the biggest thing I think I've learned, you know, um, you know, lessons for me coming from, you know, coming from being an officer from the military is, you know, you, you have loyalty in the military and, and that transcends into the civilian world, but you also have to keep in mind that, and what we learned early on was, and, and it's a saying that says, you know, what got you here won't get you there. And so when we were first starting out, I remember our first couple of projects we got, we were subcontractors and doing, you know, some small stuff and, you're, you're so excited to get these contracts that you you quickly put together a team and, and, and you don't know much about these guys. And so, and I remember one of my, one of the folks, one of my leaders there, one of my superintendents was a, you know, he'd been in construction forever. One of those old school, you know, hard nosed guys. And, and, and so, you know, we got 
some of our projects done. Now we're a couple of years into it. And this guy was always a pain in the ass. You know what I mean? He just didn't treat his our folks right. He didn't he he would get he'd be abrasive with our suppliers. But we always made this excuse, you know what? Hey, he's but he gets the job done. Hey, he gets the job done. And at one point, um, we had a supplier call us, this lady who did a delivery, she was literally crying. It said, you know, your mm. superintendent was so rude to me. And that was it. I said, you know what? If we're going to instill this mindset of customer focus, customer service, of servant leadership, of taking care of each other, I got to live that. And so we had to fire him. And so that's, I think, you know, and, and he'd been with the company for years. He had helped us get to where we were, but he just wasn't jiving with our culture. And I knew if I continue to have this person around, every one of my folks, he's toxic. And every yeah. one of my folks will look at me and go, you know what? You're not practicing what you preach. And so that's happened a couple of times. We've, we've made some quick hires early on and they didn't just work out. And, and once you see that writing on the wall, you, you know, you, you try to do some counseling, you try to help them, but sometimes they don't get it and you got to park immediately. And so for me, that's, that was hard being an officer and going, Hey, I need to counsel this guy and I've got loyalty. And at some times they just don't get it. They're just not going to do it for the company. They're not going to get the company moving where you want it to be. And so. We had to part ways. Yeah. It, it, as you're saying that, I think of a an army saying people, one, people respect what you inspect, and the other is a standard not enforced is a new sure. standard set. And and I agree that, you know, as leaders in the military, everybody is rehab rehabilitatable, right? It's like you're handed you're handed who you have and and you do your best to to bring them along, mentor them. In the private sector, you don't have the the same benefit of time or Uncle Sam footing the bill to to allow you to have the patience to to bring somebody along. And you, it, I agree that's that was one of my biggest lessons learned is like not everybody is a fit, and not everybody that that comes your way yeah. is meant to be in your organization, and that's okay because if they're not cooperative to what you're doing, then they're taking away from everybody else. And to your point. You start, you start having that negative standard be set. No, I was just going to say, I mean, that's exactly right. And in fact, nowadays, when we look for mindset, when we're hiring, we're slow to hire, quick to fire. When we're hiring, we don't look, obviously experience is nice, but I'm not looking for the Gucci project manager that's got all the experience if he's not a fit for our company. It, it's the right fit first. And then we'll train you. If you don't have the experience, then we'll train you. We can train you to be a PM. Yeah, it, it takes longer and it's it's more costly. But I'd rather have people that get us, DDB, Dominguez Design Build, and how we work than people that have all this experience but just butt heads with us and butt heads with our clients. It doesn't work. Amen. And and I'll I'll make the pitch right there. I think that is what I have found the veteran community brings is maybe more of a culture fit than the, than maybe the technical experience. We're able to communicate. They share the similar values or at least have a starting base point of similar values that allow us to figure out if they're a right fit a whole lot faster than, than maybe other folks. Inspiring People in Places is brought to you by MCFA. MCFA is a CVE-verified, service-disabled, veteran-owned small business. At MCFA, our why is to inspire people in places through project leadership. We provide planning, strategy, program management, and construction management support services to a wide variety of public and private sector clients. I want to switch gears to a couple of you know rapid-fire questions. And before I do, you, you, you brought up 
um, your upbringing and, and I was, I, I had chill, chills around that whole Habitat for Humanity story and a ton of sympathy around the heroin addiction. I came from an area that, that has had more heroin issues than, you know, I, I it's, it's an epidemic. So before I jump, I want, I want to mention a book, Fearless. I don't know if you've, you've read it or heard of it. I've heard of it. For, it. It is the untold story of Navy SEAL Adam Brown. And this guy was an absolute stud um, that got into the Navy SEALs despite an addiction to heroin. And he talked about how it called his name. And it put an exclamation point on, on it for me that, you know, I thought people that had that I grew up with that, you know, got involved in heroin just made bad decisions, but it is a mental health issue. It is an epidemic. It is a, it is a health issue. Um, and I think that that book really put, put perspective to me on that. So I wanted to mention it for, for you and for our listeners. It's, it's one of my top recommended books. But the question to you is, what is what from your library falls into the top recommended book category for you? Well, you know, uh, pitching to Mike, I just I just finished Traction last night, so that that was a great book. You know, Scaling for Excellence is a is another book that's really good. Atomic Habits, you know, good to great. I'm I'm a big reader, and so I'm always trying to pick up little tidbits here and there, but. You know, those are good books, the, the greatest salesman in the world. I mean, those are, you know, you know some of those older books. You were one of few really people I've people. ever talked to that knows the greatest salesman in the world. Oh, I love that book. In fact, that's probably one of the, I think when I retired, that's probably the first book I read. And I'm actually making my daughter read it, even though it's taking her a very long time. But I'm like, read this book. Because it just talks about, it's just, there's so much wealth in there. So much wealth oh, in there. It's, I, I think it's one of the best books ever written and for our audience it, it reads like it reads almost like a prayer it it's such it's so powerful i'll i'll put an exclamation point on that recommendation how about favorite and it's quote? a quick read it is it's a quick read too i mean you can do it in like almost a couple of sittings so i don't know what's taken her so long to get it done but it is um, maybe she's maybe she's you know, re- quote, maybe she's rereading it like you're, you're supposed yeah, to, over you're supposed and over to yeah, yeah, you're supposed to read it, yeah. you know, three yeah. times a day per chapter or whatever for a month. Yeah, I'm sure that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, favorite quotes. I mean, I love how you do anything is how you do everything. And I think I don't who was would Marsha Beck or somebody wrote that. And what's interesting is I didn't discover this. I was sitting there watching like John Wick and one of the villains spit that out. This is like last year or something. He's like, hey, hey, how you do anything is how you do everything. I'm like, wow, that's pretty <laughs> profound. So I started look, thinking more and more about it. And I started kind of researching. And I'm like, you know what? I really, really love that quote. So on my, my you know, I, I text this to my kids all the time because, you know, some, they'll half-ass making their bed or something. And I'm like, hey, how you do anything is how you do everything. So like, yeah. you know, for us, just give 100% every time. Strive for excellence, you know, that, that kind of thing, you know. Love it. Uh, if you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would they be? Mm. Well, I think the first would probably be my dad, just to talk to him and try to get in his brain a little bit and understand what the hell went wrong, you know, and uh, 
I think the the second is uh, David Goggins. You know him, Navy SEAL. Yeah, he's a wild man. You heard, heard it? Yeah. Uh, oh, can't dude. hurt me. I, you know, in the morning, can't hurt me. What a great. That's another great book. You know, in the morning when I'm trying to get motivated, I put on one of his YouTube, you know, videos or something, and I'm like, okay, I gotta go run now. I gotta go work out, <laughs> even though I don't want to. I do. You said three, but probably, you know, probably like a George Washington or George Washington or a Ronald Reagan. I mean, especially George Washington. I mean, this guy, obviously, there's some there's some issues there, owning slaves and some other things early on. But just his leadership during the American Revolution was just, you know, especially after the Battle of Bunker Hill, was just incredible. And how he rebuilt this this army to battle battle this, you know, this tyrant, the British, is just amazing. Yeah. And then... It- to close us out, the floor really is yours. Anything that, you know, our, our guests range, hopefully this month we get a lot more veterans listening and this gets passed along to veterans. So I, I would ask you for any message that you would give to maybe your transitioning self now that you've been, you know, off, off active duty, I guess, uh, six, seven years. What would you say to somebody that's getting ready to, to start navigating that post active duty life? Well, I think you hear hear it a lot of times is obviously start as early as possible, but but it's and it's not just the tap, not your paperwork or your medical or whatever the heck it is, because that takes a long time too. But I mean, I I thought about this probably you know what four or five years before I got out. You know, take some time and think about what you want to do it because it's a, it's another life almost for me. It was another life. I'm no longer a pilot. I'm not seen as a pilot anymore in the civilian world. Some some dummy walking around the street. So, really take the time and do some soul searching, and think about what you want to do in your life. And, and veterans, I think, are like you you said before, they're the they're perfect for entrepreneurship because we figure out how to get things done, and that's how it's going to be. You may have, you know, obviously if you can go work for somebody and learn that business and then start your own, that's the best thing. But just getting thrust into it, you'll figure it out. You got the perseverance, you got the willpower, and you won't believe how much more credible or how much more competent you are than your civilian counterparts. Like you talked about, you can you've shown that you can be disciplined. You've shown that you can create and, and, and accomplish goals, and that's you show you show up on time or even early. That's half the battle right there. So just be confident in what they're doing. Think think about it a lot before you transition, and 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 then and don't be afraid be fearless and, and when, when you find out what you want to do go for it don't ain't let anything stop awesome and then sean where can people get in touch with you you can email me so i mean we're on instagram we're on you've got a website dominguezdesignbuild.com but they can email me if they want to it's sean s-h-a i'll give you my personal email sean s-h-a-w-n at ddb construct which is delta delta bravo construct.com Send me an email. Let me know how you're doing. You know, we're going to be speaking for a veterans organization, Mike and I, I think next month. Um, or if you're in Pensacola, drop me a line. And if there's anything we can do to help the transition, please you know, don't hesitate to get all of us. Awesome. Sean Dominguez, thanks for everything you, you're doing at DBB for, for customers, for employees. And I appreciate you taking the time with us today. Hey, BJ, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying this show, do us a favor and subscribe to Inspiring People and Places on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast hosting platform. We'd also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants and all your friends and family in the AEC space. 
be sure to visit our website, www.mcfaglobal.com. Sign up for our newsletter to stay in touch with us and learn about all of the projects and clients we're helping. Last but not least, we are hiring. We are always hiring. Do us a favor. Take a look at what jobs we have open. Contact us through our website or connect with me on LinkedIn. Until next time, have a great rest of your week and a great weekend.